Hello, welcome to Locked on Sharks, the premier hockey podcast of your favorite team in the Bay Area. On today's episode, our bald king returns as we profile Dmitry Simashev, a Russian defender, um, and really, really, really intriguing prospect, especially if you like your defenders who play defense. So all that and more on today's episode of Locked on Sharks. Your Locked on Sharks, your daily podcast on the San Jose Sharks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, J.D. Young, contributor at San Jose Hockey Now. I want to thank you for making Locked On Sharks your first listen, proudly a part of the Locked On Network, where we cover your team every day. Um, You can, of course, follow the show wherever you get podcasts, and, of course, subscribe on YouTube as well, where the episodes come out first. Um, So we are going to be... Joined here in a second by our bald king, Tony Ferrari of the Hockey News, uh, where we break down Dmitry Simashev and why he feels like a steal at the end of the first round, uh, especially if you like your defenders who play defense. Um, and a, a guy who the point totals aren't quite there right now, but there's some context to why that might be and why it might just be kind of scratching the surface on his offensive game. So before we are joined by our good friend, Tony, do want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you guys uh, by game time, download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on NHL for $20 off your first purchase. And now we bring in our bald King, Tony Ferrari, of the hockey news uh tony how's it going buddy i'm good i'm good i i didn't just watch the leafs lose in game one to the florida panthers and i feel chipper (laughs) this podcast is gonna be really short because tony's just like nothing matters uh who cares uh the draft is dumb hockey's dumb go do something else with your life (laughs) yeah yeah 1,000%. So we're going to talk about uh, Dmitry Simashev, who is a very, very interesting prospect uh, from Russia. Uh, If you're not, don't know who he is. He's a defenseman playing with the uh, Loco in the MHL. MHL, sorry. He's six foot four, 201, and you know that you can't teach size, Tony. Uh, In 29 games, uh, he had one goal, nine assists with 47 shots on goal. He also did uh, get uh, what, about 10 games in the or 18 games, sorry, excuse me, in the KHL. Didn't register any points, but you very rarely see a 17, 18 year old kid playing um, in the KHL. So let's uh, start there by by talking about what makes Dmitry Simishev such an intriguing prospect. He has just about every tool you could want in a prospect. I think that's a big thing with him. He's an excellent skater. He has obviously great size at six foot four 200 pounds he's still got to fill out his frame a little bit so he'll become even stockier even stronger but the big thing with Simashev that i've noticed is while his defensive game is extremely refined and i'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute he has these flashes of offensive potential where you're like this is a guy that should have far more points than he does currently even in the mhl he's not a guy that's putting up a ton of points just 10 points in in 29 games and then two with in four games with with uh local 76 
this is a guy that I think could realistically be a very good two-way defenseman, a guy that maybe isn't the offensive dynamo, but he has the skill to do it every once in a while, kind of similar to a Matthias Eklom, the, a guy that plays both ways, is known for his defensive prowess, but every once in a while pops out one of those offensive plays where you're like, where'd that come from? And <laughs> you just kind of know that this guy's got the whole package with him. Unfortunately, playing in Russia, he's going to get knocked for that. He's going to get knocked for the lack of production. He's going to get knocked for just being a little bit relatively unknown, especially with playing 18 games at the KHL level, getting no points there. But he's a guy that held his own at the KHL level. I thought he was really, really good in a system that wasn't really conducive to offense either. So that's the other thing is he was a guy that was really mobile along the blue line, east-west, would come down into the point, be wide open for a shot in the slot and the pass would never come the the pass he <laughs> kind of create all these chances and nothing would come of it and it was kind of frustrating to watch at times because you're like you're, you're yelling at your screen you're like he's wide open he's got his stick t- t- 15 feet in the air because he's six foot four and he's just waiting for the pass just give it to him and he's gonna bomb it on net because he's got a good shot too so this is a guy that i think is gonna get really underrated i know a lot of people have been looking for the next more cider and while obviously that's a, such a crazy thing to look for in the draft a lot of people have kind of given david reinbacher that that title mm-hmm. i don't think it's david reinbacher i think the underrated defenseman this year is dimitri simashev mm. so i mean you know me i am a uh defenses for nerds go score a ton of points and um you know i, I like i like my my defenseman to be more offensive because i think you know you can a defensive defenseman like at some point right you're going to give up a goal um but like you said, Simashev seems like a great two-way player who can play. I don't know if it's complete shutdown, but he's going to be a good a plus defenseman. And then if you get anything offensively uh, from him, it sounds like uh, this might be a, a really a steal at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round, is where he's kind of pro- being projected to go. I think I know you have him projected in like 15th, but you know, looking at um, our Lord and Master uh, Bob McKenzie's got him around 35 right now. Like you, you see you know him all over the place so is that basically just because of the russian factor or what do you why do you think he's so such a high variety of variance of it with his ranking i think part of it's the russian factor and i think part of it's just the lack of production at the end of the day this is a guy who's playing in a very lackluster offensive system he's a guy that is relied on extremely defensively especially at the khl level that he was kind of looked at and, and it seems like he was told play that defensive game play play stout back there and create chances in that way and i think when he gets into an nhl system or or north american system in general that's a little bit more upbeat a little bit more up tempo he's going to be able to kind of turn those breakout passes that he's so good at into mm. offensive chances he's going to be able to find spots where he's already jumping into the play in certain areas he's going to be able to do it a little bit more consistently use that skating, but he's a very fluid skater for six foot four, a guy that I think can fly up the wing. If he, if you want him to be that backside defender that activates, there's a lot to like in his game. And like I said, the offensive points aren't there, but I think they will come over time, especially once he gets to the next level and he starts coming to the North American game where we breed a little bit more offense systemically in North America. All right. Um, so you, you talked about his offense and how you think there's a lot more there um, defensively, right? You, you you talked about he's kind of a plus defender. Like what makes him such a good defender? Is it more the system or is it just because he's six foot four and can move like the wind? It seems like. Yeah, it's the movement, the ability that he has to close in on guys. 
he has the physicality to be a, a, a guy that blows up guys at the blue line. He's able to close in on guys along the boards, win those battles with strength. But I think the big thing that makes Simashev a really interesting defender is the fact that he plays the defensive game in a modern way, leading with the stick, establishing body position more often than not, and trying to take the puck away rather than take the man away from the puck. And, and while you have to kind of do both at times, yeah. there's it's so much more... Um, conducive to creating offense and in moving the puck up the ice in a positive direction for yourself. When you're stripping the man of the puck and then you're got, the, you still, you have the puck on your stick and you have the ice open to yourself while that guy's either blown by you trying to catch a qu- quick turn or whatever it may be. He's got the ability to kind of strip that puck and start moving it quickly. He can blow a guy up. I've seen him do it a number of times. He'll, he'll defend the front of the net pretty well as well. He, shuts down cycles on the board he does a lot of everything in the defenseman and that's why i think on certain people's boards he is so high up there i know he's the second defender on my board right now he's the second or third on on quite a few of the public boards like you said it's going to be interesting kind of where he goes because people like like bob mckenzie who who pull nhl scouts they have him a little bit lower but i've talked to other people as well within nhl teams that they have them a little bit higher as well. So this is going to be a really interesting player at the end of the day. I think the Russian factor is obviously going to play a thing. But, man, I, I won't be shocked if some team does get bold and, and takes them inside the top 15, and if not inside the top 10 even. All right, guys, before we continue uh, talking about Simashev, we compare Simashev to Mukuma Dulin, uh, why they kind of feel like completely different players. And Simashev feels like a much, much safer pick uh, than Mukuma Dolan, who has a much, much higher upside than Mukuma Dolan. So uh, before we do that, do need to take a quick break. Talk to you guys about our friends over at Game Time. Um, it's summertime coming up. You want to go get some new tickets for games. Of course, you have the Giants. You got the A's. Uh, you have Warriors playoff basketball right now. Plenty of concerts happening this summer. Um, but you know how much of a struggle and stress buying tickets can be. That's where game time comes in. It's a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. They have killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Um, great thing, they have the uh, views for all your seats because there's nothing worse than buying a seat and then getting there and realizing you have a terrible view. Also, if you don't like to plan things, you just want to get tickets right away. Um, they have exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And you always get the best price. If you find a ticket in the same section, the same row for less, you'll get a credit of 110% off the difference. So snag tickets without the stress of the game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NHL for $20 off. Download the game time app. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. You know, with, with the top defense, and right, there's, you know, like you said, Rickenbacker, you have ASP, but there's not like a, a clear cut top 10 defender. Like those guys might sneak into the top 10. It feels a very, very forward class, you know, class this year. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it does kind of feel like you couldn't get a potential steal at the back end of the first round with one of these defensemen. And um, Simashev feels like he could be one of those guys, right? Yeah, if, if he's a guy that falls into the 20s, whoever ends up taking him there could get a really valuable player. I think I, I know the Sharks fans are obviously fairly familiar with Shakir Mukhamadoulin now. Oh, we will um, uh, we the, will get on that in a second here, so yes. <laughs> the uh, former Devils prospect, Devils first-round pick, 20th overall, if I'm not mistaken. 
a lot of people are comparing him to 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 Simashev. Mm-hmm. I think the big thing is Mukhmadulin had a lot of t- decision making issues. He has the physical tools, but there's a lot of things up top that are a little bit questionable at times. With Simashev, I think those things are refined. I think that's the big difference. And in whereas you're getting a guy that you're hoping to mold into something pretty great with with Mukhmadulin, I think you're getting a guy that's already something pretty great that you're hoping to kind of light a fire under and get going a little bit to try to create that offensive game a little bit more and generate a little bit more uh, up ice, but he has all the tools to do it. He shows signs of doing it. There's these little flashes of play where, like I said, you're going, man, this kid, if he, if he takes that step and, and just be, just activates a little bit more and gets a little bit more aggressive with the puck, he's going to be a really fun player. And like you said, in a defensive class where Ryan Bacher's up there, ASP's up there, People may look at guys like Luca Cagnoni and, and Ethan Moran, Etienne Moran, as like maybe dark horses to go in the first round. In my opinion, I don't think there's a, a there's a safer defender that you can take than, than a guy like Dimitri Simashev. I mean, so you kind of jumped into my next question, which was going to be: um, we already have a big left-handed Russian defenseman at home. Why are we buying another one at the? You know, it's the can we get McDonald's <laughs> and then we have food at home type of, of question. So, yeah, I mean, you you kind of touched on it already, but like. You know, Mukhamadulin, who I think a lot of people kind of maybe saw as a bit of a reach, I think, if I remember correctly, when the Devils picked him. Um, but, you know, it, it seems like Mukhamadulin's got a lot of tools, but still trying to kind of figure out the toolbox while Simashev feels a, steady, a, a kind of a, I guess, a stronger foundation, uh, especially yeah. where they're at with their draft process with, during their draft cycles. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much exactly it. I think with Mukhmadulin, you're looking at him and you go, if we get a second pair guy, that's awesome, but we probably get a third pair guy out of him with the, the skill set he has, just the the raw tools he has. With, with Simashev, I think you go, we're probably getting a second pair guy. Can he be that defensive presence on a top pair? Like Matthias Ekholm was a guy that didn't get the love that he should deserve for a long, long time. Now that he's on Edmonton, he's getting a little bit of it a little bit more. And he's always been a guy that people are like, oh, yeah, Matthias Ekholm, he's so good. Mm-hmm. He's so good. But there's always been Roman Yossi. There's always been Shea Weber or Ryan Suter. A guy like Dimitri Simashev could probably fill that role on a, on a team like the Sharks where you have a guy like Eric Carlson and maybe he gets moved and you have other guys that are on this team. Dmitry Simashev could be that un- unheralded guy that helps lead the team to a, a long playoff run. So where, I mean, I know the shark, the Mike has done a, a kind of a lot of work in a short amount of time to try to retool this blue line, right? Um, acquiring Henry Thrun, um, acquiring Mook Madulin. Where would you kind of put, uh, I, I know you're not the biggest Sharks prospect guy, but where would you kind of put, uh, if the Sharks did draft Simashev, where would you put him among the blue line prospects? I'd put him right up there, honestly, near the top. I think they've got a lot of um, really <laughs> lot of good prospects. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Like that's just it. Like the Sharks have got a lot of really good defensive prospects, but they don't have like a guy. And, and I think Dimitri. Yeah, yeah. yeah Dimitri Shemishev could be the guy. Matthias Havlid could be a really fun player. I think a guy like uh, Knaziev, really awesome player. I, I love his game. I think there's a lot to develop there. But it's going to be a little bit of slow burn, and he probably tops out as a second pair guy if everything works out. Henry mm. Thrun, pretty solid dude, but again, you're looking at a guy that's not really going to take that step and be that first line guy. Mukumadulin, I talked about him already. Yeah, you're probably going to get an NHL defender, but how high of a ceiling are you going to get? Because he can't really figure out the toolbox, and he's got some runway to go. I think Simashev would instantly, in my opinion, at least, probably jump to the top of the defensive pipeline for the Sharks. In, in looking at their prospect pool as a whole, 
he probably jumps right up there with guys like Bystet and in William Eklund and, and Bordalo and Gushin. So it, it's going to be a really nice addition if this is the guy that, that, that the Sharks wind up getting. But there's a lot of variance with where Simashev could get drafted, like we mentioned. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him go in the first round. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go early in the second round. It, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. All right. Um, so, of course, with the Russian thing, I think his contract right now is through 24-25, where he's going to be in Russia for the next, you know, two seasons at least. Um, and then you're probably at least a year in the AHL, probably maybe two years to get used to the North American ice. What, is that kind of the timeline you're, you're picturing with him? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because it's going to take a while to get kind of acclimated mm. to the North American ice. I think he has the speed and the skating ability to do it. I'm just looking at uh, a consolidated ranking that Prashant Iyer put together that kind of tracks the the draft rankings of different different players, and you're starting to see Simashev's average ranking move up as the year has gone on, and and that's going to be the interesting thing. He's a guy that was ranked in the late to early 20s from a lot of the year, kind of started to dip down towards the the, the new year just because people weren't seeing his game, and recently he's shot up, and now his, his average rank sitting just inside the top 20. So I think that's kind of where you can expect his name to start coming up realistically mm-hmm. i think he probably ends up going towards the end of the first round and some teams probably gonna get a steal around there and the sharks do have that devil's pick right now which <laughs> is yeah right in that range so um so a couple years before um feels feels like uh feels like whoever is going to get him is going to be super super happy with this Simashev, you know, in a couple of years, like you're, you're getting a potential steal at the back end of the first round with, for a defenseman who can actually play defense. And then if he figures out his offensive game and uh, from what you s- said, it sounds more like the tools are there and he's just not in the right environment for it. So if he gets some better teammates gets, you know, uh, you, you might really kind of a year from now or two years from now, feel much, much better about him coming when he start makes his transition to North America. Right. Yeah, I think that's just it. I think you look at the Carolina Hurricanes prospect, Alexander Nixon, he's a little bit of the opposite. He's a guy that's a very defensive first defenseman, mm-hmm. a guy that is going to be a good defensive player in the NHL, but he's been put in this offensive environment where he's been kind of pushed, hey, shoot the puck, get into the offensive zone, activate, be this guy that that makes the passes and creates offense, and he's playing with a really good team as well. So when you're put in that environment, you're able to kind of create more. And when Nickishin comes over to the NHL, I don't think he's going to be this offensive dynamo. I think he's going to be a guy that is defensive defense first with a little bit of offense thrown in. I think mm-hmm. Simashev's kind of in that same mold where that's kind of the base that you're getting with Simashev, but I think he has the tools to actually be an offensive contributor. And if he was in a situation like Sim, like uh, Alexander Nikishin, he's probably going to put up even more points than what Nikishin has done this year. And Nikishin, if I'm not mistaken, set the U under tw- the under 21 record for, in the KHL this year. So I think Simashev's got that kind of potential, if not more. All right, before we finish up with Tony, uh, we talk about uh, the U18s and which players kind of really solidified their stock, which players maybe hurt their stock a little bit. Um, We talk about Otto Senberg, who I just uh, had a profile on with Patrick uh, last week. So we talk about him. We talk about the USA guys and kind of where they're they're kind of at. Do want to let you guys know, of course, um, how you can become an everydayer. Um, just by downloading, listening to Locked On Sharks every day. Tomorrow, we're going to be discussing um, everybody's favorite uh, fast guy on the Sharks, Noah Gregor, and why he. This is a hot seat season for him. Why he should be feeling a little bit uncomfortable this off season. Uh, so make sure you guys are following along wherever you get podcasts, and of course, you can watch on YouTube as well.
All right, uh, let's transition to some kind of different draft talk. So uh, the under-18s just finished up. Uh, go USA. Um, who, there was a lot of a lot of uh, the kind of first-round guys playing in here. Which guys, which guy do you think helped his draft stock the most? Let's start with that. The most, I'm probably, it's tough because I think you have guys like Yuri Pekarasik, who mm-hmm. played for Slovakia, who was a very good player. And I think it wasn't really in the, in the mindset of a lot of teams and player in, in analysts, but he's played his, he played his way into that. And I think now he's a guy that people are considering the third, fourth, fifth round, middle of the draft. But in terms of solidifying where he should go, in my opinion, I think Otto Stenberg is that guy. He absolutely tore up the world, the world under 18s was a fantastic offensive catalyst for the Swedes led them to an undefeated record up until that gold medal game against the, the Americans and helped get them to the, to the, to a lead in that game. I think he was absolutely fantastic. He tore up the Canadians. He had nine points in the two games against the Canadian team. And that just goes to show how terrible the Canadians were at this tournament (laughs) partially, but also Stenberg tied William Nylander's record for most points by a Swedish player at, at this tournament. He's a guy that was the top scoring non-American. He, he absolutely did everything possible. And his defensive game was really good in this tournament too. I think that's the underrated part that doesn't get talked about. He was very good at just being in the right spot, intercepting passes, knocking down pucks, and in creating from that back end. Transitionally, he's a fantastic player. This is a guy that's creative, attacks offensively, and he's got some of the some bravado to him. He's got some some oomph where he's gonna go in there, he's gonna score a goal and, and then get in your face and laugh at you. He, he's got that little flair in his game. So I think that combined with some of the offensive skill that he showed, I, I think he's boosted his draft stock and kind of solidified himself as a, a guy that's gonna be considered in the top 20. All right. And then um of course, we have the Americans, right? You have Leonard, yeah. um, you have Gabe Peralt, and then you have Will Smith. Um Leonard and Will Smith, both going to be top 10, potentially top five uh, picks. And then Gabe Peralt, who, um, spoiler, we're going to have discussing next week. Where, uh, like, he's been kind of a guy who's been looked at at the back end. And is could he be kind of working his way up into the middle of the first round? Yeah, I think this this tournament has helped solidify himself as a first round pick. I think Mm -hmm. he's right at that back end for me. He's a guy that I think has some pace issues. He's a very good play connector. He's in the, the way I look at him is he's an elite complimentary player. If you ask him to drive a line, if he's the best player in a line, you're going to have issues. I think that's the big thing is you can't ask this guy to be the guy on a line. But if you're asking him to play with a guy like Will Smith and Ryan Leonard who and be that that kind of connecting piece, then you're going to get a lot of production out of this guy. I think he's very good in the offensive zone. He's got a good shot. He's able to make pretty solid passes in the offensive zone. In transition, he's a very good bumper. I don't think he's a guy that's going to ever carry the puck through the neutral zone with a, a high level efficiency, but he's going to be in the neutral zone. And if a guy like Will Smith is flying up the middle, a defender closes in on him, Gabe Pro is going to be in perfect position to kind of get that pass and give do the give and go. And I think he gets a lot of points and, and does a lot of things offensively because he is so smart and he knows where to be in the offensive zone. If he can get his skating up, I think that's where you get, get a – get a really good player. I think you look at him and Andrew Cristal, they had very different tournaments, but very similar issues in terms mm-hmm. of, of tool sets. And I think that's, that's a big thing is where you looked at Cristal's tournament. He wasn't really put with guys to succeed. He wasn't really put in position to succeed. It, and you notice those skating issues. You notice the separation issues and the ability to kind of have to try to drive things in the offensive zone while not really being able to be the guy to drive things. I think he's a very high-end complimentary player. Whereas with Gabe Perot, you had those high-end teammates, those high-end line mates to kind of fill in the gaps where Perot's game isn't quite efficient at. So 
it was really interesting to see his tournament and he absolutely was fantastic that entire top line was fantastic if i'm being completely honest and perot obviously passed austin matthews record for the ntdp uh austin matthews was almost a year younger i just like to point that out so like <laughs> just just for people to the not Leafs, get so Leafs over why is everything no, no, about no. the Leafs, Tony? <laughs> like i love will smith and, and i think he's a fantastic player but he also passed austin matthews austin yeah. matthews record the issue is Austin Matthews was almost calendar year younger. Yeah. And, and the big thing to remember is that, yeah, it's they pass the record, but points don't tell the entire story. Obviously, Austin Matthews is one of the top three, four, five best players in the world right now. I don't think either of those guys are going to get there, but they're very good prospects. I think that entire yeah. top line probably very well could go in the top 50. And I know I've, I've seen a few people discussing that. All right, uh, let's get you out of here, of course, on these questions. So back to Dimitri uh, Simashev. So where, pick a number, where does he go? I'm going to say someone smart takes him at 17 or 18. That would be the Montreal Canadiens or the uh, Detroit Red Wings would grab him at 17 or 18. So two those, teams uh, with two uh, first round picks. Yep. So it makes a lot of sense there. All right. Last time um, I asked you, of course, we also talked about the best non-Connor Bedard player. Um, I talked to you about a guy who's kind of rising up. So uh, which which player do you think is going to kind of get shocked and be drafted way, way too early in the first round? Ooh, way too early. This is going to, this might be a little unfair, but Colby Barlow, I think he's a guy that has a lot of offensive capabilities, but in the same way I talked about Perot, I think Barlow's game is limited in, in certain ways. I think he's a very mm-hmm. straight line guy, goes to the net, jams pucks in. But a lot of people thinking about how good his shot is and everything, there was a lot of shots that kind of hit the goalie and, and dri- dribbled through and, and scored. And while that works great in the OHL, that's not that's going to get stopped at the NHL level. And he's going to develop more. He's going to get physically stronger and everything. But this is also a guy who's kind of already physically matured. And I think when you're a physically mature player like that, you should be beating up on kids at the end of the day. It's, it's one of those things where he's doing everything you want to see, but like he's doing it already kind of at that ceiling where he's at. So he's going to be an interesting player. I think he's going to be a very good player when he gets to the NHL. I just think if, if some team decides to take him at seven, eight, nine, they're going to be passing up a player that has a little bit, uh, maybe has a lot more upside in, in going for a guy that's going to be a capable NHLer rather than an impact NHLer. Yeah, you're you're going for a single when you could be trying to get hit a home exactly. run there type of thing. So, uh, yeah, seven, eight, nine. Let's see. So that would be uh, Philly, Washington, Detroit, or St. Louis. Where Philly, <laughs> Philly. That's such a Philly pick too. Where it's like, yep, he's going to be in the NHL. He's six foot yeah. one. Yeah, he's yeah, big strong boy. Let's yeah, we're gonna pick him right there. So, um, Tony, our ball king. Uh, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find all my work on, at thehockeynews.com. Uh, make sure to go to the Hockey News YouTube page and follow all my Game Tape with Tony videos where I'm interviewing players and we go over some tape together. I've done Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson, and a bunch of other guys, including Will Smith and, and Ryan Leonard. We go over game tape together. They, they kind of break down their game, and it's always interesting to see their opinion of their own game and, and get a little bit of discussion going on that regard. And then you can follow me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari, and I have lots of stuff going on there, usually tweeting out Matthew Nye's first NHL goal and being sad about the Leafs losing in the second round. Uh, well, at least you get to a second round. I would uh, I would kill at this point for playoff hockey. I, I talked to my wife the other day. I was just like, man, I, I miss like 
the like anxious nerves and excitement all day leading up to it. Uh, yeah, I it's you, you, you take it for granted after like a thousand years in a row, it, you kind of take it for granted. So, um, Tony, thank you very much. Uh, we'll, I'm sure we will talk to you again soon before the draft. And of course, uh, we'll definitely be hanging out at the draft as well. So yeah. Thanks buddy. Anytime, bud. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation, uh, with Tony Ferrari, Dmitry Simashev, man. Like, I mean, you guys know, I said it, I'm a, go score points and be awesome to uh, on defense type of guy. But if you can get a guy who can do both, um, and I think Simashev, if get him in, in the right system and get him with some better teammates, could be a guy who could provide, be a much more offensive threat that we've seen um, so far in his time. But, you know, but he's already has that strong foundation of being a defensive defenseman. Um, if you can, if he can add the offensive tools, which it seems like he might be capable of. Um, and if he's there late for the sharks and you, you could be getting a potential top pairing defenseman very late in the draft and that, that late in the first round. And that, that feels like a steal to me. So um hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Tony. Again, we'll be back tomorrow to just continue hot seat week where we'll discuss Noah Gregor. Um, and why things, you know, what what should the Sharks do with Noah Gregor uh, going forward? So uh, make sure, again, you follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Locked on Sharks. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at my Fryhole. Download wherever you get podcasts and, of course, watch on YouTube. And until tomorrow, bye, friends.